Hey there, folks. Welcome to the Whitfield Report, Wednesday edition. I am your host, Sam Whitfield, recording here in the studio. And I have a, uh, a quick show for you today. First off, I want to make a quick announcement that the Thursday show will be coming, will be becoming the Wednesday show for now. So I do the live podcast on Saturday, as you know, and then I usually like to do a podcast kind of in the middle of the week, usually on Thursdays, um, to kind of catch up on news, you know, current events, maybe do movie reviews, whatever, you know, just talk with you guys one-on-one without having to worry about the live stream, you know, or the chat or anything like that. Um, Usually I do that on Thursdays, as you guys know, but this semester with uh, school, uh, my Thursdays are looking pretty busy. So um, with that in mind, I think it would be best if we moved it to Wednesdays uh, for now. Who knows? Uh, Wednesdays could be the new days in general for the audio podcast. But um, definitely for this semester, uh, until roughly December, we will be doing the show on Wednesday. So just wanted to make that uh, quick announcement regarding the show. And with that in mind, like I said, I don't have too much for you today, but uh, two topics I wanted to cover. Um, I would like to cover the second night of the RNC kind of give my thoughts on that, and then uh, kind of cover some more uh, COVID-related stuff. Uh, So, last night, Tuesday night, was the second night of the Republican National Convention. Um, To be honest, I didn't really, I didn't catch the whole thing, and I really didn't catch any of the first night. Uh, but the big highlights were uh, Nick Sandman's uh, speech on Tuesday night. He's the uh, Covington Catholic school kid who uh, got defamed by MSNBC and CNN, uh, took them to court and ended up winning uh, for defamation. So he was a, uh, you know, a big speaker there. Uh, Pretty much his, you know, speech was, uh, you know, don't let the media slander you. It it was very, like, pro-free speech, you know, anti-censorship on his part. And one thing that struck me in particular is uh, someone on Twitter, in fact, my uh, friend Semper Reloaded, who runs uh, that YouTube channel, he brought up the point that, like, back in the 80s, it was the, you know, religious right, so to speak, Uh, you know, during the era of Reagan, who was, you know, uh, you know, very censorious of uh, content, like, you know, with those 80s action movies, they were trying to censor those and ban those with the FCC, and it was the left who was, you know, for, uh, you know, free speech at the time. Same thing with, 
you know, video games in the 90s and early 2000s. I certainly remember that. And, you know, now in the age of social media and whatnot, free speech has kind of become a right-wing, you know, talking point or an issue, so to speak. And, uh, you know, Semper's point to that in his tweet was that really free speech shouldn't be a partisan issue. Uh, But it is interesting how the two kind of political parties have uh, kind of taken over that issue of free speech at, you know, one point or another. So, uh, you know, I thought the Nick Sandman thing was good. Um, One speech that I thought was a little ridiculous um, on Tuesday night was Tiffany Trump's uh, speech. Her speech was basically, you know, a a rah-rah for uh, my father is, is a great president and you know, he really cares about America. And, uh, you know, if you care about America, you will vote for Donald Trump because, you know, a vote for Trump basically is a vote for America. Now, you know, I'm conservative myself. I support Trump, you know, but as someone who has been in this game for a while now, you know, considering my age, uh, you know, I am I am a conservative libertarian, but I do like to try and think about things more than just the regular straw man ar- argument. And so, you know, a vote for Trump is a vote for America. Well, you know, obviously that's that's part of the whole "Make America Great Again" thing, I guess. But it's not that nuanced. It's not that deep. Um, it just seemed very um, superficial, and uh, you know, it, it it seemed more like an infomercial more than anything. That's the best way I can uh, put it. So that was uh, Tiffany Trump's speech. Then they had uh, Pam Bondi who is the AG of, who is the former Attorney General of Florida. Um, And it's interesting because there wasn't a whole lot of attacking Biden uh, this go-around. I'm not sure about about Monday because, again, I didn't really watch, uh, you know, Monday night's... uh, convention because that was the first day of classes and I was busy with everything. But, uh, you know, Pam Bondi did go hard after Biden and, uh, you know, brought up the fact that um, Hunter Biden, Joe Biden's son, was connected to Ukraine and that really uh, Biden was the scandalous one. As I was saying, Biden is the scandalous one, and not Trump. That was kind of her point in bringing that whole thing up. And, uh, you know, her spiel was basically, you know, if, if you don't trust establishment politicians, 
vote for, uh, you know, Trump. Well, you know, it, it's kind of funny because, you know, that's what Trump ran on in 2016. And early on, you could, uh, you know, you could say that like in 2015 and 2016. But now, you know, Trump, uh, Trump is the president of the United States. He is a politician, you know, like or not. You know, yeah, he might be an outsider compared to someone like Joe Biden, who's been there for... 47 years and that was one of the points that she brought up and I agree with her on that but you know to pretend that Trump is still like some underdog outsider he is you know that's not the case anymore he is the most present you know powerful man in the world he's the president of the United States and so I don't know just kind of the uh you know it seemed like the first half of the convention, especially with like Pam Bondi and uh, Tiffany Trump, was just a lot of uh, you know cheerleading for Trump. Not a whole lot of uh, you know serious uh, you know campaign promises. It just kind of seemed you know like filler, basically. Uh, and at that point, I kind of took like a little bit of a break. Uh, I did see um, Pence's quote-unquote speech. I don't really know if you could call it that. Basically, what they did with Mike Pence, which I found interesting, was uh, they basically pre-recorded his speech, for lack of a better term, and he was uh he was back in indiana and it appears that he was outside of the front of abraham lincoln's uh childhood home where uh you know president lincoln grew up and pence made the uh you know comparison between you know lincoln and you know basically implied that trump was the modern day uh, Abraham Lincoln, which I, you know, I get the metaphor that, you know, both, uh, Trump and, uh, Lincoln were presidents during really uncertain times, so I get that metaphor, but, uh, you know, I'm not sure you can really compare Trump to, uh, Lincoln even suddenly. It just seems kind of forced. Uh, but the one thing that he did do, which I thought was really, you know, interesting, was he interviewed, like, several different Americans um, and kind of brought them on. It was staged, obviously, somewhat, but to ask them how, like, their lives have, uh, you know, improved. So, you know, one of the big things that the, uh, you know, Trump administration has touted was the, uh, you know, the, the First Try Act, which basically allows for, uh, you know, terminally ill patients to uh, try out experimental treatments, you know, without any penalties or, you know, something like that. So Trump had a family on about that. Uh, then he had a family on that talked about like uh, Trump's Relief Act during COVID and how it helped 
their small business. Then he had um, a, a law enforcement officer on uh, to talk about kind of uh, restoring law and order and also uh, fighting the opium epidemic. Um, so, you know, Pence's whole uh, shtick was, you know, a married better than, than um, Tiffany Trump or uh, Pam Bondi. Uh, but obviously because of COVID, uh, it was kind of pre-filmed and you, you could definitely tell it was, uh, you know, kind of pre-filmed and pre-broadcast. Pre it, it felt very, uh, you know, cinematic and they did a good job, but nevertheless, it was obviously pre-recorded. And, you know, I don't know. I feel like they could have just set up like a live, you know, feed, you know, for uh, Pence to speak at his home or, you know, in the Naval Observatory or uh, wherever, rather than do this whole like, you know, pre-filmed, pre-kind of edited and scripted movie that they did. But, uh, you know, it wasn't bad. The big uh, event of the evening was uh, Melania Trump's speech on the, uh, you know, on the White House lawn in the Rose Garden. Um, and it was interesting because before the uh, speech even happened, there was a lot of criticism of uh, Melania for basically having the uh, speech on the Rose Garden. Uh, the, the press kind of said that she was using uh, the whole thing as an opportunity for politics. Um, you know, that was a political stunt. And the White House fired back and said that, you know, uh, well, you know, because of COVID, uh, the president can't really go anywhere. He can't really, you know, change the venue, which, you know, to be fair, I think, you know, is kind of true. I think, you know, it is kind of for the best that the first lady and the president do their things from the White House. Um, you know, A, because they're the first family. But also, yeah, because of COVID and because, yeah, I mean, obviously people aren't allowed to, you know, gather in large groups at convention halls right now. And so, you know, if they if they did that, then they would get criticized for doing that. But, uh, you know, Melania's speech, I think, was uh, very well done. She talked about American unity in this time of uh, crisis and bringing Americans together and how, you know, the American people have inspired her and uh, President Trump to keep fighting for America and you know, she, she shared some uh, personal stories of people that, who have reached out to her uh, during this whole COVID crisis. And she also talked about, you know, how she herself is an immigrant and how America is a great country and how she's, you know, how she struggled to become an American citizen uh, and, you know, growing up in this Soviet Union and coming to America and fulfilling her 
American dream of, you know, being in the fashion industry and being a model at first and then, you know, owning her own business with, uh, you know, Trump as her uh, husband and then joining him in the White House. Uh, you know, again, it was, it was a little bit of a stump speech, but it felt more genuine, I guess. It felt more realistic and not so much like a, uh, you know, direct campaign ad as the other speeches did. So overall, I, I really like uh, Melania Trump's speech to end the evening. I guess my biggest problem with both of these conventions, whether it be the uh, DNC or the RNC this year, is um, both of them seemed overly scripted this year and kind of pre- uh, programmed, you know, and I suppose you could make you could say that that's the case for like all these political events, to a certain extent. But it just since everyone is doing everything virtually this year, it just felt, you know, different. And to be honest, like, yeah, there were uh, you know there were some people who watched, you know, the convention and whatnot, but there were a lot of people on my timeline. You know, even politicos like uh, Apex Gamma, my co-host, and uh, you know others who usually would tune into this into this type of thing. But uh, you know, I think just because of 2020 and because of uh, quarantine, I think a lot of people are kind of sick of politics right now. To be honest, and I think it's very uh, apparent to people that that is the case. Uh, you know, people just aren't really up for politics like they usually are, and it's very apparent. Um, so, you know, is the RNC getting more traction than the DNC? Yeah, and I mean, a lot of conservative YouTube channels out there are acting like, you know, the RNC is beating the crap out of the DNC in terms of rating and that, like, people are much more engaged. You know, and that might be true a little bit, but like I said, more often than not, I think it's a case of people just aren't really all that motivated by politics. And honestly, I think people are, you know, more... Uh, interested in finding out what the president himself has to say and what the administration has to say for them themselves this year. You know, no one really watched the DNC this year. Uh, I certainly didn't. And, like, no one I knew really watched it. And, uh, you know, my friend Ray from I Am the Empire and I Am 2020, he said that the DNC was a you know, big snooze fest, basically, and I can't say I disagree with him, so, I, you know, I'm curious to really hear what he has to say about the RNC, but like I said, it doesn't seem like a whole lot of people are motivated to watch either convention, right? So, it'll be interesting to see how the convention wraps up, I think, either, to you know, tonight being Wednesday night, uh, I don't know if, if Trump is, uh, you know, accepting the nomination tonight or tomorrow night being Thursday, but 
it'll be interesting to hear what happens uh, regardless. And uh, I will certainly comment on that on Saturday night's show, so st stay tuned for that. But uh, one thing I do want to talk about tonight is uh, the fact that we are now in, uh, you know, we're now in late August. It's pretty much uh, September for uh, all intents and purposes. And, uh, you know, as much as I hate to say it, ladies and gentlemen, we're in COVID for the long haul now, and I'm not trying to be negative about it, but the one thing that I do find uh, increasingly curious is that on both sides of the aisle, whether it be Republican or Democrat, uh, people seem to think that if Joe Biden is going win that uh, we're somehow going to get out of COVID, you know, sooner within like 2021. And then, you know, on the on the right, they think that if Trump gets reelected, we're going to get out of COVID in 2021. Well, uh, you know, I, I hate to say it, but we really don't know what is going to happen until, you know, who knows? Uh, and and honestly, I don't think the election will have that much an effect on uh, vaccines or uh, whatever. You know, the 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 fake uh, you know virus people, the you know the the virus hoax people. They think that you know Biden is like somehow withholding the cure, and that uh, you know if if Trump gets reelected, they'll withhold it. And, uh, you know, because deep state, man, and all of that jazz, I don't think that's true. Uh, but by the same token, I, you know, I certainly don't think the, that, you know, I don't think the opposite is true either, if you're a Democrat. Um, I think that ultimately this is going to come down to, uh, you know, the scientists and the scientific community all coming together and collaborating and, uh, you know, figuring out, uh, you know, what causes this virus and how to cure it. And, you know, and even that is going to take a while because, uh, you know, scientists all disagree on things. And, you know, when, when you're talking about scientists and science as a rule, and this is something that the politicians love to ignore, right? True science is not political. So there is no consensus ever on anything in science, if that makes sense. You're never going to have every single scientist, uh, you know, directly agree on how to, you know, fight COVID, uh, you know, and they're still researching it. So, you know, I guess eventually once enough of them concede, you know, and, uh, you know, and agree on like a solution, then we will get a cure. But until then, I'm not really holding out hope that that will be the case. Um, I think we're in this for the long 
haul, and so I would just encourage people to, uh, you know, buckle down and batten down the hatches because we are not going anywhere anytime soon. I don't think as much as I get to say it. Yeah, masks, uh, you know, annoy me. Yeah, the social distancing crap annoys me too. I'm not so sure how much longer any of us can take, but, you know, we have to continue to sit tight and, uh, you know, encourage each other to hang in there. Uh, you know, starting school this week, I have to be honest, I am not as excited as I have been in the past. You know, I'm doing classes online this year, and yeah, it's nice to be able to stay at home and work from home, but then again, I'm working from home, so I'm not really, you know, relaxing or chilling like I usually like to do at home. I'm, you know, studying and doing my work and all that, so, uh, you know, not that enjoyable, um, you know, it, it has its pluses, but, uh, you know, I miss going out, I miss seeing my friends, I'm in the same boat that a lot of people are, and, uh, you know, people are like, oh, well, we're gonna, you know, in 2021, things are going to reopen fully, we don't know that, you know, things could shut down again completely in, you know, November or December. Maybe January we'll, ha we'll have another wave. Who, kno who knows? Maybe things will reopen in 2021 fully and, you know, we'll be, we'll be back to normal. Maybe it'll happen a year from now, maybe five years from, from now. I don't know. But... I am not counting on any politician to, uh, you know, save us. I'm not counting on any, you know, politician or bureaucrat to say we have all the answers, uh, you know, so do this. And I do find it a little bit, uh, you know, sad that, you know, we're basically just waiting for our leaders to, uh, you know, basically tell us what to do. It's, uh, you know, it's sad, and the libertarian in me is crying. But, uh, you know, anyway, folks, I would just encourage you to be good to one another, stay safe, uh, you know, check up on each other, uh, be good to one another, keep your head up high, uh, you know, pray if that's your thing, if not, send well wishes to one another, uh, you know, whatever you need to do to get through the days here and, uh, you know, all that stuff. And with that, folks, I want to thank you for uh, tuning in to the Whitfield Report. I will be back uh, on Saturday evening live uh, on the YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash the Whitfield Report, dlivetv.com uh, forward slash the Whitfield Report and uh, on Periscope as well. If you like this uh, podcast, again, please give me a five-star rating and review wherever you get your podcasts. If you're able to, uh, please keep spreading this podcast around. And uh, folks, I really appreciate your support of the podcast and of the show. And I will see you on the next uh, edition of the Whitfield Report on Saturday. Until then, God bless. 
God Save This Great Nation, God Freedom Legacy in that order, as my friend John Neer likes to say. And I'll see you next time on the Whitfield Report. Hey there, folks. If you've made it this far to the end of the podcast, I'd like to thank you very much for listening to the show. You are the ones that make it possible for me to uh, make an income from podcasting, and I greatly appreciate that just by listening to our show. You are helping us gain ad revenue. However, if you would really like to uh, help support the show, I encourage you to please donate to the podcast and become a supporter of the show. You can head over to anchor.fm forward slash Whitfield Report and click the support this podcast button and uh, choose the amount that suits you to support the show. Or you can click the link in the show notes and it will directly uh, take you to that page. If you can support the podcast, I really, really appreciate that. Anything that you can do to uh, help out is greatly appreciated. Even if you can't afford to uh, help financially support the podcast, I encourage you to please go on iTunes uh, or Apple Podcasts or Stitcher and please leave this podcast a positive five-star review. That really helps us out here at the Whitfield Report. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next episode. Thank you.